0: Hello and welcome to ROE 17 Pod. My name is Mark Jontre and I'm the Regional Superintendent of Schools for ROE 17. On today's pod, our guest is Brandon Thornton. Brandon is a special education teacher at Bloomington High School and was the 2021 East Central Regional Teacher of the Year through the Illinois State Board of Education's annual Those Who Excel Recognition Program and I want to thank Brandon for joining us today. A little bit about Brandon. He has been a teacher at BHS, graduated from Illinois State University. I want to thank Brandon for joining us today. Brandon, welcome, and first of all, if you would, can you kind of tell us about your path to becoming a teacher and what, what, what inspired you to want to be an
1: educator sure thanks for having me um my path kind of starts very young my mom has always been around kids she operated a home daycare called mrs t's calling all kids in rock island illinois and that eventually turned into a daycare center which eventually turned into two full-blown preschools uh so she's now happily retired thank goodness but i've always grown up watching my mom take care of other kids which kind of helped cement two things. One, that I wanted to be a teacher, and two, that I could never be a preschool teacher. (laughs) And so (laughs) I kind of knew teaching was in my path, either with the family business or getting my own classroom. And I've I've just always had really good teachers in District 41. That's where I grew up. That's the Rock Island Myland School District. So I kind of always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know what didn't start to crystallize until high school when I had really phenomenal math and English teachers who would always keep me after school, and especially in math, and kind of help me help others, I guess, per se. I thought I was there just to hang out with my teachers, but eventually I was, help, I was up um, helping other students finish their homework, and that feeling of helping someone felt really good. And then I realized I can get paid for it. And so I kind of made it a career. Um, so, yeah, that's where it all began.
0: Very good. So I'm going to assume besides your mom, who was an inspiration or maybe helped guide you up uh, towards recognizing this ability that you had? To help others. Was it teachers along the way? You referenced a couple mm-hmm, teachers. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about that a
1: little bit? Absolutely. Miss Michael was my third grade teacher, and that was the first time I had a teacher that looked like me. Um, she was yep. black, obviously, uh-huh. and <laughs> I remember walking in, and she was all dressed up like it was a Sunday day at church, and it just felt so cool to see someone that looked like me. But at that point the seed was just planted right I still didn't see myself as a future teacher I just felt excited to have a black teacher and then in 6th grade I had another black teacher Miss Johnson and then uh, around then I started thinking okay I could I could do this <laughs> At that point, my brother was just graduating Illinois State University. And so I'll, I was coming down here for sibling weekend watching the sur- Gamma Circus. <laughs> and then at that point, I knew, okay, A, I want to be a teacher and B, I want to go to Illinois State University. And my mom pulled me aside and said, like, you know, I don't know if college isn't our future, it costs a lot for your brother to go. And so I'm just not sure, which... Somehow sounds sadder than it was. It actually motivated me to work really hard throughout middle school, which put me on the honors track when I got to high school. And so that was a completely different experience taking honors English. And it just felt all of my teachers there, especially in the honors English program, it just felt very reaffirming that I could do something, right? So... Yeah, Miss Hayek, Miss Greenwood, Mr. Lillis, Miss Mendelin, they all shaped me in some way, shape, or form.
0: To that, you, you've named a lot of people there, and my uh, my guess is, or my assumption, um, partly because I've seen you talk about relationships previously, and I think one of the points you tried to make was, relationships is really the true underpinning of what mm-hmm. a good teacher is. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Absolutely,
1: absolutely, yes.
0: Um, what were some of the relationships outside of teaching, if there were any that you felt like helped you move and realize and reaffirm that working with students was really what you wanted to do? Were there any jobs or summer careers or things like that or working um, in other Other jobs that maybe helped reaffirm that or things you did that you realized, I don't want to
1: do. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Sorry for listening to this, dad. But my dad (laughs) also had a family business and he it was Dr. J's lawn care and snow removal. And I remember one day coming out to his cars and he had a new logo and it said Dr. J's and son's. Long care and still <laughs> removal. And that motivated me to <laughs> go to college because I did not want to do manual labor. Gotcha. Um, I worked for Rock Island Parks and Rec every summer, and that was a lot. <laughs> I also worked for Taco Bell. And so those sorts of jobs kind of help reaffirm what I don't want to do. Yeah. Golden Apple was the beginning for me okay. where I realized, oh, okay, this is for sure. That was super empowering experience. I was in the group where they had 100 scholars in 2007, where we actually went to teach before going to college. And so I taught at Chicago Bulls Academy in Chicago the summer before my freshman year at ISU. And so you're teaching in the mornings, and then at night, you're going to what they called reflective seminars, where you're learning kind of the coursework that you learn and you know, at Illinois State, curriculum instruction, or I guess now, teaching and learning classes. All the pedagogy. Yes, all the pedagogy. And then you had an additional class Tuesday and Thursdays where you're reflecting on the things you want to fix in education and how are you as an as a aspiring teacher. And so those summers were essential and helping remind me that, okay, this is what you want to do. Because I wasn't in the easiest undergraduate program. Um, I actually got my start in mathematics education at ISU. And so every summer though, if things did go a little bit tricky during the school year, I had the summer with my golden apple cohort to kind of remind me like, okay, this is, you can do it. My second summer was at the Illinois Science and Math Academy in Aurora. And that kind of reaffirmed my joy for math. Because being a math student and teaching math, I think, are two different things, personally. Yep, no that, yes. <laughs> that third summer, I got the opportunity to teach in Bagamoyo, Tanzania. I was teaching fifth graders English. That was through Golden Apple. And then your fourth summer, before you student teach, is all about pedagogy, pedagogy, pedag- pedagogy, interview skills. And that was at Elmhurst College where I, we practiced pretty much mock interviews and things like that. Okay. So every summer, I got a reminder that you can do this. And I think I took all those lessons into the classroom where my first year didn't really feel like a first year. My challenges came second year because I entered the classroom too confident. And so I thought I could just roll those things over for year two. So, yeah, that's kind of where it's happened. So
0: you're referencing you to start out in math,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: you are a special ed teacher. I am, yes. Can you talk about where that came into play or was, was special ed always – the area that you really were ultimately focused on based
1: on your experience? Sure, sure. It it wasn't, it really wasn't. I had always wanted to teach math. Those are the teachers in high school who kept me after and helped me feel empowered. I always felt more confident in English classes because I love writing, but math was where I first felt like I could do this for a living, right? And then my first year of teaching, and every year since then, I just finished year 12, I've been a co-teacher. Where, for those listening who don't know, that's when a gen ed teacher is paired with a special educator, and you're teaching kids at the same time. Um, and it's considered a regular level class, and the kids don't know which teacher is special ed, which teacher is gen ed. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first year experience, and I felt like, I got this, right? Right. And my special ed teachers were reaching the kids better than I was. And I thought, here I am trained in math education, and my special ed counterparts are reaching kids better. What am I doing wrong? And so that inspired me to go back to ISU and get my master's in special ed, okay. which then certified me in special ed. The yes, well. in 2016. Okay. And so, yeah, Katie Gerber, Lawrence Washington, and Lauren Shiflett, who's Lauren Butts now, those were all my co teachers. And I, it was just amazing oh. watching them do the work, stepping into a content area that they had no, you know, formal training on and reaching kids. Mm-hmm. And I realized, okay, I gotta I gotta learn those skills. And I did. So I kind of sat in that degree for a little bit and then a teacher at our school became assistant principal. And I texted all my co-teachers and the principal and said, "Would it be unprofessional if I like took her job?" And they said, "Go for it. It's harder to find a new, you know, special ed teacher." Mm-hmm. And I've been teaching special ed English since then. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: So that journey, that story that you just mm-hmm. shared triggers a, a thought or or just something that seems to be recurring as I talk to educators or talk to administrators about how we best serve the needs of all students and I wonder what your perspective would be on do you think as a general rule and I'm this is not I ISU specific or Golden Apple or anything like that but do we do enough to prepare teachers in our teacher prep programs around uh, diversifying their instructional approaches to meet the wide range of student ability levels, regardless Mm -hmm. of the grade level? I don't know if you have
1: any thoughts on that. I do have thoughts. I do too. I I feel the answer is complicated. I feel yes and no. Um, If you are a K through eight educator, I feel like your experience may be different and you come out of college learning how to teach kids but you also come out maybe not so strong in the content area. Secondary, you come out really strong in the content area, but not necessarily knowing how to teach kids. And I say that as someone who felt that way. (laughs) So I I, I think there's some, some fixes to be done where we all come out understanding the importance of rigor, but also the importance that we teach kids over content. I think that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. My worst days in teaching were days when I viewed myself as a math teacher, the days where I viewed I'm going to teach the kids in front of me and we're going to go whatever pace they need to go, we're the best at. days, yeah, meet them where they are. That's not an inherent thing for someone who's told that your content is the most important thing in the world and you have to teach it, or it's for the public good, and if you don't do it well, then the society's going to crumble. That's the lesson we get as high school majors. Mm-hmm. That's not the lesson you get at K through eight. But at the same time, they're also missing the importance of you have to get it right. Because when kids get to me, they have a lot of math anxiety because they've for many years heard their teachers say, I'm not good at math, or they can they can smell it right. The the messages we send with math, like maybe teachers spend twenty minutes on math and 100 minutes on reading kids remember that and then they grow up thinking math should be a source of stress because their parents and their teachers have always said, I'm not good at math, let's just get through it. And so that signals that they too need more preparation on feeling confident as content experts too.
0: I want to talk a little bit about how you came to be, uh, how you became aware uh, that you were at least nominated for mm-hmm. Teacher of the Year in this case, East Central Illinois Teacher of the Year in 2021. Who nominated you, if you even know that, or and what that experience was like?
1: Sure, um, it was kind of a a group nomination, <laughs> the district eighty seven. Board of Directors, I guess I should say, mainly the superintendent, reached out and said, hey, we want to nominate you for District 87. Okay. Do- can do- can Dr. you do it? Riley Dr. Riley is. at the yeah, time, President yes. Is. Can you do it? And at that point, the application was due in a week, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the middle of my comps for dis- for my dissertation. But for those who know, I I'm just, i can't say no to anyone. So I said yes. And then I wrote the essays overnight, got my letter of recs organized for my principal and Miss Marks and... Uh, Mr. Washington, my second co-teacher, and submitted it and just didn't think anything about it. <laughs> it was like, okay, sure. It's just, yeah. Checked off, yes. checked off the two. Like, I really thought it was just like a recognition, like a certificate. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was going to be what it has become <laughs> since then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's
0: really, <laughs> we've been very fortunate in the in the region that I serve. We, we've had a couple of statewide teachers of the year. Mm-hmm. And I really like what, uh, this is about the time when the state board even decided to even identify, at least to my knowledge, I don't remember them doing it this way previously, identifying teachers of the year in, in regions mm-hmm. uh, of the state and for them to, to break it out in that and just really rec- be really intentional in recognizing individuals in an area or uh, area level, region level, that really was important, I thought, to let everybody know that, yeah, we pick a statewide winner every year, but they're being selected from a wide range, a wide mm-hmm. group of people. So, mm-hmm. Brandon, can you talk about um, your thoughts on how we get more students interested in the field of education and teaching, and specifically, you know, students of color more interested in becoming teachers as they go forward?
1: Sure. Lindsay Jensen was someone I met through the, this work, <laughs> I mm-hmm. guess, as she's the 2018 Illinois Teacher of the Year. She's excellent. By she's, doing, she's doing amazing work. She's doing amazing work with the Illinois Education Association and just as a human with um, Educators Rising, which is a cur- pretty much a curriculum, I like to say. I think of it as more of a a technical education association, essentially, where kids are competing in certain events that kind of mirror what we did at Golden Apple. So they hosted their second annual conference at Illinois State University. I think it boasted around 1,000 kids. I I, we, Bloomton Bloomington High School, sent some kids there. Bethany Warren is someone who comes to the top of my mind who got second place in one of the events, and she's just been so excited since that experience. And so experiences like that, experience that I got with Golden Apple... Where they can kind of see themselves as a teacher. She's a student of color. um, I think are super important. Uh, We gone other days where we can say you should be a teacher. Okay, sure. (laughs) Like it worked for me because I had so many reminders. Like okay, you can do it. But. That was before social media. Now kids kind of know what the status quo is with education. I didn't know what I was signing up for. Sure. It didn't matter in the end because I knew I wanted to do this so badly. But now they kind of do have to make a choice. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah.
0: You're right. Yeah, whether student of color or, or not, mm-hmm. we, the days of individuals are going to matriculate, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. an interest to... Two, being a teacher are largely, you know, gone. Yeah. We really really have to actively recruit any and all Mm -hmm. uh, to the profession. So Mm -hmm. with that. So, well, Brandon, uh, I really want to thank you for your time today. As we conclude, I kind of want to give you one last question and kind of an open-ended thing for you to speak to is is what do you see for the future of education in terms of how our communities can support education and, and what changes or experiences would you like to see? To, to further
1: public education? Sure. I feel like we're close to the future. I think the pandemic was a hard reset, a hard reset. <laughs> and this is the first year where it felt like we're getting back to normal. And I felt truly supported by the community through my work as senior class sponsor. I got to see parents just show up for the kids and help pull off a really fun senior week and the excitement at graduation. And I've seen parents just show up for after prom and all these parents are just more involved than I have in my, I've seen in my 12 years. And I feel like they're starting to see that the teachers need us. And for a good two, three years there we were pitted against the teachers with politics, but I think that's, that's fading now and they're starting to realize that public education is synonymous with public good. Mm -hmm. And I think every year it's just going to keep getting better and better. We're seeing a lot of teachers leave, because they're thinking every year it's going to get worse and worse. But now that I'm away from it, now that it's summer vacation, (laughs) uh, and and I've had some time to reflect, it does feel this year was better than last year, and last year was better than the year before. Mm -hmm. Had you interviewed me last year, though, I would have been in crisis mode. But now that I'm away from it, it's totally better than last year. And so I think that's the biggest thing the community can do is continue to show up for us, because when you show up for teachers, you show up for kids, and it's better for everyone when that happens.
0: That is well said, and we will let that be the last word. <laughs> I want to thank Brandon for joining us for another episode of ROE 17 Pod. To learn more about ROE 17, please visit our website at www.roe17.org or follow us on social media channels. ROE 17 Pod is produced and edited by Victoria Padilla. We hope that you will join us for our next